Welcome to the Line Life Podcast. I'm Jeff Postelwaite, Senior Editor of TND World, and today we're bringing you more stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork that it takes to be a line worker. Hello and welcome to the Line Life Podcast. My name is Amy Fishbach, and I'm the Field Editor for TND World Magazine. For part two of our series on modernization projects underway in Puerto Rico, we are focusing on Luma's 12-month island-wide work plan. The utility is planning projects to improve reliability, reduce outages, and increase community safety. Today I'm talking with Dr. Shea Bahamarid, Senior Vice President Engineering, Asset Management, and Capital Programs for Luma, a utility in Puerto Rico. Dr. Shea, thank you for joining us today for the Line Life Podcast. Thank you, Amy, for having me back. It's great to be back and having a dialogue with you about Puerto Rico. Wonderful. And in part one, we looked at the historic progress made by Luma to modernize the grid. And for this episode, please discuss the reliability improvements initiatives of Luma's year-long work plan. Sure, Amy. Just to give you an idea about uh, what has happened in Puerto Rico in the past couple of months about um, around federally funded projects, we have initiated over 393 projects and we have submitted detailed scope of work to FEMA for detailed engineering design and 122 of them are obligated by federal government and 72 projects are currently in construction. The work that we have going on to improve the reliability of the system is around vegetation. It's a significant work that I'll be talking about it. The second one is around automation devices. And the third one is around changing the equipment, including poles. And the last part of it, which is quite important as a heart of the power system is substations. So let's go ahead and start with vegetation because I know that's a big part of the plan. It is. We are very excited that we are beginning a historic project leveraging federal funding to launch Puerto Rico's Vegetation Clearing Initiative to execute large-scale vegetation clearing on more than 16,000 miles of transmission and distribution power line, as well as critical substations and telecommunication sites related to power grid to establish right-of-ways across the island that will significantly improve service reliability for our customers. FEMA has recognized that a vegetation reset is an eligible expense for a funding purpose, and it's been recognized under Section 406 Hazard Mitigation Fund, that which, of course, uh, must be agreed by government of Puerto Rico we have been working together with Core 3, the governor of Puerto Rico, and the Energy Bureau on this initiative because we all share a collective commitment to executing this project. And together with the federal government, we are making all the necessary reviews. To put this monumental effort in perspective for you, the 16,000 miles of power line that I mentioned is basically going around the world, two-thirds around the world. In the past two and a half years, we have cleared 3,300 miles of vegetation in Puerto Rico, which is 33 Puerto Ricos. And this 
one time reset will allow us to improve the reliability significantly. We anticipate that the reliability of the system after finishing the program is going to improve 35 to 45%. After the first year of the program, we are going to reduce the frequency of outages by 15%. This is quite, again, significant impact on customer outages. In terms of the work plan, the first year of the program, we are going to clear 5,700 miles. The second year, we are going to clear 6,900 miles. And the third year, we are going to go and clear and the remaining of the lines in the system. Dr. Shea, who is doing the vegetation management work and what are some challenges that they face in the field as far as vegetation on the island? So first of all, the work is eligible for federal funding. That means that we have to comply with all the procurement associated with federal fund. And right now we are in a process of procuring contractors to perform the work for us. That work is an ongoing. And after the procurement is done, it's a, you have a, there is a transparent process and all the agreement becomes public in controller's office. The challenges associated with execution of the work is that there are several environmental laws and regulations related to vegetation that it needs to be, we need to comply to it, such as USDA, Forest Services, and Puerto Rico Department of Natural and Environmental Resources, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, Puerto Rico DNR, Wildlife Office of Permit. I can just go on and on for you, Amy. And every single one of them, it requires quite a lot of work to make sure that we do comply with all of those regulations, which is a priority for us. We want to make sure that we are not going to put any of the funding in jeopardy and we follow all, all those requirements. In addition to that, those right-of-ways, they haven't been touched or they haven't been cleared per NERC and other industry standards for very many years, for a long time, and that creates additional challenges for access. And we have to take outages, so it's not that we can add additional resources and go through this process faster. The issue is that in order to perform the work safely, we need to take outages in the lines. And because of the state of the grid and because of the extreme heat that everybody around the world is experiencing these days, it needs to be done very methodically. So these are few of the challenges that we have to overcome, but we are committed to move this project forward because of the significant implication to our customers. And as far as the vegetation management work, can you talk specifically what kind of projects are going to be done? Is it mainly right-of-way clearing or you know, clearing out the hazard trees or what are some of the specific kinds of projects that are going to be done? All of the above. We are going to establish the right-of-ways and we are going to create access to the lines. In addition to that impact in reliability, it's going to help us to move forward with construction and transformation of the grid faster because it takes less time to get to the structure, for instance, to change a pole on top of a mountain, to give you an idea. We are in dialogue with 
University of Puerto Rico and two other universities in Puerto Rico to utilize the academic best practices and get the talent as part of this initiative. In addition to that, we are in conversation with number of local artisans. So the wood can be utilized for economic development in art community. I love that. I was at the Trees and Utilities Conference in Pittsburgh, and they were talking about that exact subject of taking kind of reclaimed wood and being able to recycle it in some way. So that's fabulous that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And then as far as the right-of-ways that haven't been touched for a long time, is there any special tools or equipment or processes that you're going to be using just to clear all that out? Because I imagine that's going to be quite a, a job to do. Yes, it is quite a job. It's quite challenging. Here's what we are going to do. As part of the process, we are going to install sensors and we are going to have take images with LiDAR and keep track of it and create a proper database. And so we can do analytics moving forward so we can maintain it. We have made a commitment to the federal government that we are going to ensure that moving forward after we cleared one time, we are going to maintain it properly per industry standards. And that analytics and data gathering to establish condition-based vegetation management is part of the plan. And let me tell you other exciting thing that is going on. We have, in the past 12 months, we have hired 200 recent graduates from six universities in Puerto Rico. And these young, energetic talent, they are going to help us to do this vegetation maintenance moving forward with proper analytics and make sure that we keep it the way it has to be. That's fabulous that you're bringing in some new young talent. That's wonderful. And can you talk about the role that technology plays in vegetation management? Because I, you know, I've heard a lot about LIDAR, of course, and just how the imaging can help you to see kind of where you are and where you want to be. That's exactly the way you explained it. We are going to utilize LIDAR to take uh, imaging of the right of ways to be able to establish the proper right-of-ways, and then to understand the type of vegetation and the intensity of vegetation in different areas. We do have microclimate, and we do have different types of vegetation in the island. In the south of the island, is drier compared to the in the middle of the mountainous area, and they do create different challenges for execution of the work as well as the maintenance. And LIDAR and our sensor plan is going to help us to get there. For the first time in the history of Puerto Rico, we have visibility to a 230 kV line in our transmission line. We have installed number of sensors in different structures. So when the fault happens in the system, we know exactly where it is. And the email goes out and it's, it's like a 2.3 miles from this structure. And that type of data is going to help us to do the work analytically and more intelligently uh, moving forward. And what about sustainability and biodiversity on the right-of-ways? Are you going to, for example, have any plants to attract pollinators or anything like that on the right-of-ways? So we are looking into different, like one of the reasons to partner with University of Puerto Rico to understand the locality of like plants and vegetation 
in Puerto Rico. We are going to utilize environmentally friendly treatment and looking potentially into planting different types of vegetation under the right-of-ways. For sure, it's not going to be a type of plant that creates uh, invasion, but it's one of the scope of the collaboration with the University of Puerto Rico. That's a great idea. And let's now move on to the grid automation devices. How will they help Luma to restore power more quickly? And who is installing the reclosers and what's the process of installing them? So when we, last time we talked about, I uh, mentioned that when we started the work in Puerto Rico, the reliability of the system was 300% worse than the worst utility in the country. And we are trying to tackle improving the frequency and, and duration of outages from many different fronts. And one of the m- most important components of it is the automation devices. These automation devices are going to help us to isolate the fault and impact fewer number of customers so we can restore them faster and we can send our crews to the right place so they can get restored also faster, less number of customers impacted and faster restoration. In the past two years, we have installed 1500 automation devices. And in this year, our plan is to install 5,000 automation devices. And in the next five years, we are going to have 35,000 automation devices. They vary from three-phase recloser to single-phase recloser to cutouts fault current indicator, and so forth. It also, another component, important component of it is that it's going to help with integration of renewable and less truck rollout. That means that less carbon footprint. This is the thought process behind these automation devices. In terms of where we install them, we have a methodical data-driven prioritization that we have been utilizing. Uh, we have been receiving technical assistance from Six National Lab and the Department of Energy and Secretary Granholm's team has been very instrumental to think through where the system is better to install them to get better benefit for the customers. We look into different parameters such as the number of customers, such as historical reliability data, and so forth. Now let's talk about substation modernization. We had talked about this in part one of the series about some of the work. Can you talk about where you're at now with these substation modernization projects? Yes, we have a huge focus around substation, both modernization and rebuild of the infrastructure that was damaged by hurricanes and upgrading obsolete equipment that is past its life expectancy and provide operational flexibility as well as station redundancy. A proper planning hasn't ever been done in Puerto Rico. We have been doing area planning and we have been doing ERC-SEP studies for the both distribution and transmission to identify the locations to eliminate single point of failure. We have seven new substations that they are Greenfield substations. And we have submitted the DSOW 
a detailed scope of work to FEMA, and we are working very closely with them to get approval for EPC and move forward with it. In addition to that, as part of our substation modernization program, we have been replacing number of high voltage breakers and transformers to improve the resiliency of the system, to reduce the likelihood of blackouts, improve reliability, and increasing the ability to integrate more renewable energy. There are challenges associated with that, such as supply chain. Because of the events around the world, the delivery time of equipment has increased significantly. And like everybody else, we are working through those challenges as well. Now let's talk about the pole replacement projects. Can you talk about kind of where you're replacing the poles and how you determine the height and type of poles to install in certain areas? Sure. So, so far we have installed over 8,900 poles. Part of our plan and commitment is to build the overhead system to withstand 160 miles per hour wind, just because where we are located geographically. And as part of the plan, we have been going and doing an assessment of the existing poll and putting them and categorizing them to go after the ones that they create public safety and so forth. So as part of the these FEMA-funded projects, we, are, we will be replacing more than 35% of the poles in the island in the next five years. Are they typically wood poles? Are you replacing them with steel or fiberglass? or Depending on the location and the design, we are not installing wood poles. It's a combination. We have engineering design and standards that they drive the type of material, but majority of them, either they're either steel pole or they are concrete pole. And fiberglass in some areas that we have microclimate, that still they get they go through the corrosion process a lot faster because of salt water. So there's a lot of different parameters that gets into that standards. Sure, no, that makes sense. And then what about the cross arms? What kind of cross arms are you using? Are you using wider cross arms or fiberglass cross arms? Or we are we are using wider cross arms. And again, because of the where we are located geographically in the country and because of the state of the vegetation and how fast they grow, in order to build the system more resilient, we have been utilizing our newer standard is to utilize a wider cross arm and a fiberglass. So it, again, they get, go through the corrosion process slower than before. The other part of it, what we have been doing is that we don't have, we, well, when we took over, we didn't have asset management systems. And what we are doing right now is keeping track of the assets that we are installing in the system. So as we move forward with modernization, we can do condition-based maintenance, ensuring that our asset is going to live longer. So you can track then the different assets in the field, like in, in software or on, you know, iPads or mobile platforms? Yes, that's the idea. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. So they can tell kind of where everything is and it probably expedites restoration during a storm, I would think, if you know what assets are on your system. That is correct. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk now about kind of the people behind the projects. Can you talk a little bit about your diversity program and your talent pipeline of people who are working for you? This is the part that I am very passionate about, Amy. We have 1,307 women working at Luma. We do have a commitment to diversity of our talent as well as to local talent. We have a memorandum of understanding with six universities in Puerto Rico, making sure that the talent stays in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has a number of great universities and we are competing with large companies in the mainland. And I mentioned to you earlier that we have 200 recent graduates in, from six universities in our engineering program. We had the largest internship program in the history. We had over 70 interns that this summer, they worked on a number of meaningful projects and we took the time to show them how the life in an electric utility looks like. We have 209 women in our operation team and 16 of them, they are in leadership position and 42 women, they are working in the field. These numbers are record setting in not only in Puerto Rico, but I believe in, in the country. So you have 42, are they line workers, female line workers? We do have a number of line workers. That 16 women, they are line workers. They're, we have four women that they are apprentices attending Luma College. We have three women that they are apprentices in transmission lines and eight women apprentices in distribution. And this is a four year of training, including a classroom and on the job training as well. That's fantastic. Congratulations. That's a wonderful example to set for the rest of the country, really. I mean, that's <laughs> wonderful. So congratulations on that. And is there anything else you want to add about the year long plan for Luma? Maybe I would just end it with the fact that significant progress has been made in improving reliability, improving customer service, and integrating more renewable than the past decade. But there is still a long way to go. And this process, we empathize with our customers that they have to experience outages, but we are working very hard and making sure that we design and we modernize the grid not only for the next two, three years, but for the next three generations of Puerto Rico. Well, Dr. Shea, thank you again for joining us today to provide updates on Luma's new work plan. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me and your interest in Puerto Rico. We greatly appreciate it. Wonderful. The best of luck to you and your work crews as they modernize the system and help to improve reliability. So thanks again, Dr. Shea. Thanks, Amy. This episode of the Line Life podcast was written, recorded, and edited by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Polstowait. That's me. To listen to past episodes, visit www.tdworld.com backslash podcasts or find us at Podbean. You could also drop us a voice memo or message at linelifepodcast at gmail.com with your comments on this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow this show on Podbean or your favorite podcasting app to be updated when new episodes are released. Thank you for listening.